the IZ Robot Stuck at Home Show. Hey kids, it is me, it's your dude, I see robots, and we're back to another super exciting, super fun episode of the Stuck at Home Show. That's the one where there's like, there's this terrible bug floating out and about in the world, so we gotta stay in our house to combat that, to stay safe and do all that kind of stuff. But it's all good. It's all gonna be fine. We're all gonna be great. Everything is gonna be awesome in the future because you wanna know, you wanna know why? I, I I love you guys. It's great. Everything is gonna be awesome. We're gonna have a good time. I I don't know, man. I I have some fiddle faddle in my mouth. I was eating a box of fiddle faddle a little a little bit ago and I have like these little particles floating in my mouth. I don't I don't like popcorn all that much. I do like it, but I hate how like I hate how it splinters and kind of falls into bits into your uh, into your mouth hole. Let's see what's going on in in the world right now. I mean, honestly, not a lot as far as like activities and things like that. I'm just doing whatever I can do to uh, occupy the time. And one of those things that I do is I I do this. I talk to you guys. I chat with you about this. I chat with you about that. It's all it's all fine. We're all happy. We're all doing a we're all doing a good thing here by by wearing masks and, do, and doing all that good stuff. I got um I got a pack of mini mates right here in my hand. This is one I've, I've, I've been holding on to a while. I have like I have like this foot locker in my garage and I'll just like if I see a toy that I like and it's at a good price or whatever, I'll just, like, I'll buy it. And, and sometimes I toss him in there to uh, to open at a later date. Hopefully the idea is, like, I'll just forget about him altogether. And then someday I'll get, get, like, a nice, like, a nice little surprise. And this is, uh, this is one of those nice little surprises. This is a two-pack. It was actually, factually, a Toys R Us exclusive. That shows you how long I've been, uh, I've been sitting around here with this. It's... It's a good one, though. It's the Winter Soldier and a Hydra Elite Soldier. The Winter Soldier is, of course, Bucky Barnes. You know him from the movie Hydra, of course. You also know from the uh, from the various Captain America movies and Captain America properties. This is Toys R Us number 18. Set number 18. Let's see if there's a little catalog here. Let's take a look at who else... Who else comes in this set before we, like, fully open it? It has, it has the Age of Ultron... Wolverine. The Age of Ultron was pretty fun, man. That was like a Marvel super event that I've completely forgotten about to like right this second. And in this, Ultron uh like affects history. Like he has like a time machine or something and he changes it to where like he is in control of everything. So like a team of like Wolverine and like, I don't remember, I think like Sue Storm and a bunch of other people are going to like travel into the future and they're going to, I think what they're going to do, no, they're going to go into the past and they're going to kill Hank Pym. Before he can even invent Ultron. I, I, I have like the vaguest of memories of this. I think I read it like one time through. I borrowed it from the from the library. I really did like it though. I should look online and see how much that costs as a trade paperback. Because it uh it was kind of fun, I gotta admit. So we got the Age of Ultron Wolverine, and then an Ultron, and then there's a Marvel Now Thor and an Absorbing Man two-pack, and then Marvel's The Falcon and Fighting Chance Captain America. This looks like the uh the Rob Lee field. Captain America. I know that I have this Falcon, but I gotta tell you, this Captain America does not look familiar at all. He must be in the giant box of, uh, mini-mates out in the garage. Let's, let's pop this open right now. Let's see, lift off the little shield. The first one we'll take out is the Hydra, the Hydra soldier, the Hydra elite. Let's see, he has a sword. Pretty cool little sword. Let's see, there's no, no, it'll snap onto the side of his belt. There's like, um, there's a little peg. If you take off, if you take off his helmet... He has a mask on underneath. He has a green cape. He's pretty good. Where's his foot? His foot is missing. I wonder if that fell off into the um into the chest at one point because the tray here is all it's all rattled about. The guns aren't even really like in the um in the proper hidey holes. I will have to 
I'll have to dig around and look for that foot. I'll let you guys know how that turns out. I imagine I'll find it. It probably just fell right out of the box. The sword... The sword wasn't in the proper hole. Let's set him aside till later. He has that sword, and then he also has a gun. Let's pull the, uh, the Winter Soldier out. See, his gun is askew as well. Let me get that out here. I'm just gonna tip this over and shake everything out. I think that'll be the, uh, the easiest route. He has that dope silver arm that he's known for. He has a, uh, a holster that goes across his chest, and then he has a pistol Little pistol ito, little gun ito. Let's put that in your little hand right there. And then he also has, like, some sort of a sniper rifle with a uh, scope and all that good stuff. He's cool, though. Let's take off his hair. He's bald underneath, and he has, like, a little domino mask. I dig this guy, man. I do like the Winter Soldier. I remember when I first heard that they were going to bring Bucky Barnes back from the dead. I was kind of against the idea, but I, I do kind of like how the whole Winter Soldier thing played out. They got a movie out of it. They got the best of all the, uh... All the Marvel movies. Let's put his... Let's put his gun in the holster here. Yes, I said it. I think the Winter Soldier is absolutely the best of all the Marvel movies. The second... The second best is probably uh, the one with... The first one with Thanos. That movie is dynamite. But I just like... I like the smaller scale, more personal Captain America story of Winter Soldier. I thought it was really great. This is... This is a fun fig, man. I really like him. Let's see what they say about him on the back. Brainwashed and given a robotic arm, Captain America's sidekick, Bucky, became the USSR's greatest assassin. But a confrontation with Cap freed Bucky from their control, and now he works as an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. Let's see what they say about the Hydra elite. The elite are the ceremonial guards of the subversive organization called Hydra. Ranking higher than foot soldiers, they are charged with protecting key Hydra installations as well as high-ranking... Hydra officers. So these are like, these are like the fools in Star Wars who protect the Emperor. There's all red Emperor guard types. Let's see, here's his sword. He has like a ray gun of some sort. Let's give him his little ceremonial ray gun. His arm is stuck here behind his cape. Let's fold this out. Oops, I dropped his sword. Let's see. Oh, there it is right here. Didn't even fall on the desk. It fell right on the printer. Didn't have to go underneath. Shout out to Preston from the Wayback Attack. I, I like him too. He's a nice shade of green. It's always... It's always good to have, like, a troop, like an army builder troop, you know? But, um, Bucky Barnes is definitely the, uh, ace of this set. Let's see what this little handout is. Oh, it's a set, a handout with all the different sets. Let's see this one from the Wolverine movie, one from Thor Dark World. Here's one with zombies, Toys R Us set 17. And then on the back, there's some more Diamond Select stuff. Some statues, some action figures. That's cool, man. I I like this one here, this uh, zombie set with a zombie Galactus. The Marvel Zombies was kind of fun. I really did like the first book. The first book of that, I thought it was pretty cool. I think Robert Kirkman, who wrote The Walking Dead, uh, wrote that. Pretty fun. Good stuff. I like these both. Let's set them aside. So this week on the show, we're going to um, we're gonna do something different. We're going to kind of break away from the standard format that we have with, you know, segment, 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 yada, yada, yada. And we're going to, like, focus on one long feature. We're going to take a look at my top five favorite Kevin Costner movies of all the time. I'm a huge Kevin Costner fan. I think that, like, he's had so many great movies, so many fun things. He's, like, a real quality, quality actor. And he has, like, that kind of Tom Hanks appeal to where if he's in a movie... You know it's going to be good. It might not be the greatest movie that you've ever seen in your life, but you know that it is going to be a nice quality movie. There I am dumping this stuff in the garbage can. Don't worry about the recyclables. What I do is I end up picking them out later. But um, you know it's going to be like a nice 
high quality film. You can count on it being good. And there's like, there are far more than five good Kevin Costner movies. But I had to narrow it down to the five ones I like the best. Now, this isn't to say these are my rankings of the ones that I think are the best of all the best. These are the ones that I myself enjoy more than any other Kevin Costner movie. So, with all of that said, let's move forward into the ranking of the top five Kevin Costner movies of all the times and all the space. One, two, one, two, three, and... The top five Kevin Costner movies of all the time in space. Number five. On the planet once called Earth, a child holds the secret to survival, and a lone man is her only hope. Kevin Costner, Waterworld. Rated PG-13 from MCA Universal Home Video. Rented tonight. Number five on my list is a 1995 film known as Waterworld. Waterworld is a post-apocalyptic movie in which I think like, I think the basic idea is that the ice caps, the polar ice caps have melted, right? And the entire world is now under uh, water. Everybody lives on boats. People float around. There are like there are like towns made of various like floating things and whatever. And our guy Kevin Costner plays a dude known as the Mariner. He has like he has his own boat. He floats around. He looks for things. He's like he's like an anti-hero type, I guess. At one point, it's revealed I think that he has gills. I like this movie a lot. I know that it's not very good at, at the time. I think it was considered, like, one of the biggest bombs of ever because it was, like, the most expensive movie ever made up until that point. It bombed massively, but I think that, like, over the years with, like, video sales, VHS sales, and DVD sales, the movie's made a profit, which is good because it's by no means an awful movie. And if you take it as, like, silly camp fun, it's actually, like, it's actually factually quite enjoyable. It's silly. All kinds of goofy things happen. Dennis Hopper's in it. As like a complete total goofball. There's weird, weird boats, weird sets, and all kinds of wacky aquatic adventures take place. I think this movie's a lot of fun. Every time it's on, like Showtime or whatever, I will like, I'll watch a few minutes, man. I cannot pass up any kind of like a post-apocalyptic movie. And I think that like the idea of a flood and the idea of all these people like searching for land. I like it, man. That's like... That's the basic premise of the whole thing. There's, like, a kid with, like, a map tattooed on his back, and the map, like, will lead people to land, and, like, Dennis Hopper and his wild and wacky sea pirates, they want the map so that they can be the first to find the land, whereas our guy, uh, Kevin Costner, the Mariner, he wants to find the land so that they can do, like, good on it, I guess. The movie had, like, all kinds of tie-ins. There's, like, a couple, couple water attractions at, like, Universal Studios... There was a video game, I think, and I know that there were action figures. This is actually what brought me to do this whole entire list. I was at the flea market the other day, and I had, like, a completely bum day. I didn't find anything except for a Kevin Costner Waterworld figure. And this was, like, a figure I wanted for a long time. And I realized, like, you can go on the online and you can scoop this up for, like, 2 or $3 at any given time. I think you can get it carded. For like $5, but I just wanted to find one in like a cheapy deepy bin. And I did. I got him for 50 cents. I didn't have 50 cents, so I just gave the dude a dollar and told him to keep the change. And he was really happy for that. But like a dollar for a Kevin Costner Waterworld figure is out of sight, man. The figure looks just like him. And 
It was made by Kenner, which is always, always fun. I like it, man. There was, like, Ham. There was uh, Deacon, which is the name of uh, Dennis Hopper's evil character. There were, like, vehicles. All kinds of fun stuff. It's actually, factually, not that bad of an action figure line, if you want to be honest about it. But I can't imagine that, like, with the way the movie bombed when it was at the cinema, then any kids were, like, running out there hoping to be... The Mariner, but still, there are worse things to be than Kevin Costner in a boat with gills and, like, webbed feet that can, like, swim underwater and do all kinds of crazy stuff, fighting with a Dennis Hopper guy with, like, an eye patch. I don't know. Let's move forward and find out what's number four. Number four. Now on video cassette, sometimes if you believe the impossible, the incredible comes true. Who's hearing voices? Ray is. Am I completely nuts? Kevin Costner. Amy Madigan. Not completely. James Earl Jones. I don't believe I'm doing this. And Burt Lancaster. It's the place dreams come true. Bring the magic home on video cassette. Field of Dreams. Available at video stores everywhere from MCA Home Video. My number four Kevin Costner movie of all the time in space is a 1989 film known as Field of Dreams. As many of you know, I am, I'm a pretty big baseball fan. And one of the things that like, that's like really drawn me to baseball is the just like romantic allure of the, just the Americana of the game of baseball. And Field of Dreams is a movie that celebrates baseball in a romantic way like no other movie I've ever seen before or since. The The basic story is this. Our guy, Kevin Costner, is a farmer in Iowa who, upon upon hearing ghostly voices that say to him, If you, if you build, build it, it, he will come. He mows over a bunch of his grass, a bunch of his corn, rather, and builds a baseball field. And then, like, ghostly images of baseball players start coming. He starts interacting with them. Then he gets, like, he gets led on a quest around the country to, like, just do all kinds of things. And the end result is it's all about him reattaching with his long-deceased father. It's a very sentimental, very corny, very sappy, but very beautiful movie. I love this movie a lot. I love the book that it's based on, a book called uh, Shoeless Joe by W.P. Kinsella. I love that book. I loved it before the movie came out. And when the movie came out, I was just like head over heels in love with this joint. It did like really well at the box office. In fact, it led to like a uh, Best Picture nominee. Sadly, the movie lost out to a Rain Man, which is, you know, that's fine. Rain Man's a really good movie too. But this movie, this movie is dynamite. Every time I see it, I get a tear in my eye. It makes me think about my dad. It makes me think about baseball. It makes me think about the times I played with him. It makes me think about having a catch with my dad. It's just a really, really, really dynamite movie. The one thing that I, I do kind of have a beef with is uh, one of the characters in it is Shoeless Joe Jackson, the famous uh, Chicago White Sox. And our guy in this movie He's played by Ray Liotta from Goodfellas. And I just like, I don't know, man. There's something about like, there's something about looking into those baby blues of Ray Liotta that just don't make me think of him as like a hardcore baseball thug. But at any rate, it's fine. It in no way detracts from the beauty of the film. I I like this movie a lot. Even like thinking about it now, I'm getting a little tear in my eye. I'm just kidding. I, I read somewhere that the farm that the movie was shot on has a baseball field on it today. And that the field is like a tourist attraction in the area. And that Major League Baseball intended to have a game or two there during this season. But then the bug happened and all this stuff. And it's been delayed, if not canceled, which is sad. I really would have tuned into TV to see a game played 
in a cornfield. It would be really neat to see somebody rope some dingers out into uh, the corn, the beautiful corn, the beautiful Iowa corn. I love this movie. I'm sure you do too. Sure, it's sappy. Sure, it's sentimental, if not corny, but it's beautiful. It's fun. It's great. There's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with shedding a sentimental tear every once in a while, and this movie will definitely do it for you. Let's see what's up next. Number three in a world hungry for hope. You are a dangerous man. One man battled the forces of fear. One woman rode by his side. You've given us all back what we've forgotten. A story of love. I never thought there'd be another man I could love. A vision of the future. There's gonna be peace! From the Academy Award-winning director of Dances with Wolves, Kevin Costner, The Postman. Starts December 25th at a theater near you. My number three Kevin Costner movie of all the times and all the space is The Postman. Yes, I enjoy The Postman more than I enjoy Field of Dreams. I'm sorry. It's just, it's just true. The Postman is another post-apocalyptic movie in this one. It is, I believe it's the year... 2013, and what happened is that a a militia, a, like, white supremacist militia led by this guy named Holm starts a war with the United States, and then there's, like, a plague and everybody dies. Isn't that, like, isn't that, like, scary nowadays since we're seeing, like, the rise of these militia fools and we're in the middle of a plague? I, I hope we don't end up in the world of the postman. I really don't. I don't think we will. I think we're going to be fine. As long as you, as long as you wear a mask, as long as you stand up to those militia idiots at every opportunity, we'll, we'll be okay. But anyway, the movie is a hopeful tale of our guy Kevin Costner and how he inadvertently leads to the, uh, the re-upping of the American ideals through forming a postal service. I... I really like this movie. I'm a guy who really, really, really likes the mail. I've always been just like a super duper supporter of the USPS. I love getting my mail every day. I love getting my packages. I love getting my magazines. I share letters. I write letters back and forth with my gal Sarah, the Sausagetarian. I write letters with my pal Noah. I just enjoy the mail. And the idea that like the mail is the thing that holds the whole country together. It's just like, I don't know, man. It really, really appeals to me. I like this movie so much. Of course, it is incredibly flawed. It's like super duper duper long. I think it's like seven hours long. The acting's not really that great. The story's not that great. But there's like, there's something about it that touches. It touches my heart, man. It really makes me have the feels. I don't know what you want me to say. My favorite genre of all the genres of movies is probably post-apocalyptic movies or just something about that. Big shout out. Big shout out to my guy Potomac, the king of post-apocalyptic slash disaster movies. You can find him at the last hometown on the tweets. Big shout out to him. He's another guy who's into this thing. But man, I love a nuclear war movie. I love a post-apocalyptic movie. I love a movie where the world gets destroyed. I don't know why. I think that like, I think in some ways it makes you feel comforted. To see this kind of like played out fictionally. I don't know why it is. I have no idea why, but it does. And this one, this movie makes me feel good in a lot of ways. I, I like the, like the sprawling epicness of this movie. It's just so long and there's so much going on and there's so much like desolation. There's so much loneliness. A lot of it's just like Kevin Costner riding around on a donkey, but I don't know. The movie talks to me when we exit this show. 
The one you're listening to right now, the words that you hear as you go out are Kevin Costner's words from The Postman. That's how much, that's how much of this movie speaks to me. Let's see what they say about this one on the uh, Wikipedia. It came out in 1997. It's based off a book called The Postman by David Brin. I enjoy that book a lot, but it's not, it's not a whole heck of a lot like this movie, to be honest. But it is, it is similar enough. The movie bombed massively at the box office. It cost something like $800 billion to uh, produce and it only brought in like $155,000. It it did rack up the Razzies though. Our guy Kevin Costner was nominated for Worst Actor. He did win. He won it also for Worst Director. This movie won Worst Picture. It won Worst Screenplay. And it had Worst Original Song for every song in the movie. So, I don't know, man. I'm going to disagree with that. It might be a bad movie, but is it the worst? Well, I don't know, man. You got to compare it to other movies that came out that year. Let's uh, let's take a quick look at some movies that came out in 1997. And we'll see if we can find one that's worse than the Postman movies. Let's see. How do you, how do you spell movie? Um, like that. Let's see. There's all kinds of stuff. Kiss the Girls. Uh, Breakdown. Nothing to Lose. Gattaca. That's a good movie. Good Will Hunting. Event Horizon, Dante's Peak. I don't know. I'm seeing a lot of bad movies here. Donnie Brasco. These are all good movies I'm naming. Uh, I just want to find one that I could point at as being a worse movie than The Postman. Let's see. Uh, that that uh, Selena. Nah, that movie's okay. Uh, G.I. Jane. I like that movie. What were the other movies that were nominated against this? Let's see while we're here. Strip Tease. That movie came out the same year. I would say that it's worse than The Postman, but Demi Morton is naked throughout the film, so that it has that going for it. Let's see. There was Barbed Wire, Ed, The Isle of Dr. Moreau. Oh, The Isle of Dr. Moreau is way worse, dude. It's not even, it's not even close. But at any rate, I am a giant fan of The Postman. I know that you are too. We all love it. We all love Kevin Costner. Let's jump ahead and find out what's next. Oh, oh yeah. Before we find out what's next, let's get a word from our most loyal show sponsor that's ever been. Their product is number one on the market in their area. This is a nice spot from our friends over at Morton Salt. Salt. It has to be America's favorite flavor. But what about the people who want to cut down on salt? Who has the willpower to face bland, flavorless meals? No one. Salt. That's why there's new Morton Light Salt. It has only half the sodium and that same good Morton Salt flavor. So the whole family can use it. Just like regular table salt. New Morton Light Salt. Easy way to cut down on salt. Salt. We now return you to the list. Salt. Number two. Paramount Pictures announces an extraordinary entertainment experience. The Untouchables. Kevin Costner is Elliot Ness. Robert De Niro is Al Capone. Sean Connery is Jimmy Malone. A story of good and evil, honor and betrayal, corruption and courage. The Untouchables, directed by Brian De Palma, rated R. Opens Wednesday, June 3rd at a theater near you. My number two all-time Kevin Costner movie is a 1987 film called The Untouchables. This movie was, it was directed by Brian De Palma, 
and written by the great David Mamet. This is just a dynamite movie. You all know the story of The Untouchables. It's, it stars Kevin Costner as Elliot Ness, who is a, he's a Treasury Department guy who is on the hunt for the evil Al Capone. And in doing so, he puts together a, a crack unit of dudes known as the Untouchables. Amongst them is uh, Andy Garcia. Amongst them is Sean Connery, who won an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor that year. This movie is just so much fun, dude. It's a nice period piece of the 20s. It has that real, like, 80s sort of action movie vibe, which hasn't really been recreated that well in, in all the eras since. You know what I'm talking about. An 80s movie feels like an 80s movie. A 90s movie feels like a 90s movie, so on and so forth. And this definitely feels like an 80s movie. It has a soundtrack by Enrico Maraconi, in which he won a Grammy Award for. Why didn't, didn't he win an Oscar? I don't know. Who can follow these kind of things? But the uh, the story takes place in Chicago, old-timey Chicago. It goes into Canada. There's all kinds of shootouts. Robert De Niro stars as the evil Al Capone, and he's dynamite in this movie, man. This is just like, this is one of the all-time great films that has ever been made. It's fun, it's exciting, it's just like, it's just perfect, man. It's perfect in every way. Every single time it's on, I watch a little bit of it. As a matter of fact, I was flipping through uh, the Roku, and I was on Pluto, the uh, streaming app, and I saw this movie there, and I watched it, dude. I watched the entirety of this thing just like, just like a couple days ago. Let's, uh, Let's get into the box office with this one here. Um, dun, 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 dun. Originally, De Palma wanted Don Johnson to play Elliot Ness. I did not know that. And at one time, Mickey Rourke turned down the role of Elliot Ness. I gotta say, while both those guys are great, this movie is just, like, perfect for our guy, uh, Kevin Costner. He just has that, like, earnestness that made this great. There was also a video game that came out in 1989. It's a side-scroller. It was put up by Ocean Software. That's fun. It goes through, like, some of the uh, important scenes of the movie. I've never even heard of it, so I don't, I don't know anything about it. If you're, like, if you're a big fan of that film, hit me up. The movie grossed $106.2 million at the box office. And for the most part, people really dug it. I mean, what's not to dig, to be honest? It's perfect in every way. Sean Connery won the Oscar. They lost Oscars for Best Costume Design. Morricone lost the Oscar for Best Score. It lost for Best Product, Best Production Design. It won the Japanese Academy Award, dude. That has to count for something, right? It is, uh, if you're in Japan at any rate. I don't know what could be said about The Untouchables that hasn't been said in the past. The movie's just a lot of fun. It's terrific. It's great. Let's find out what is the best Kevin Costner movie there's ever been in all of the time and all of the space. Number one. It's a 10 for Bull Durham. Costner and Sarandon are magnificent. Bull Durham is smashing in every department. It's a grand slam. Roger Ebert, Siskel and Ebert raves, this is really one of the funniest comedies of the year. Two big thumbs up. Oh my. Bull Durham, America's other national pastime. Rated R, now playing. My number one Kevin Costner movie of all the times and all the spaces is a 1988 baseball slash romantic comedy known as Bull Durham. Bull Durham is the story of a uh, 
of a minor league catcher played by Kevin Costner who goes by the name of Crash Davis. And in the movie, he is brought onto a new team to uh, take a take a young hotshot pitcher played by Tim Robbins who goes by the name of Nuke Lelouch under his wing and teach him what it takes to make it to the major leagues. Crash is also on the precipice of setting the all-time minor league home run record, which is like, it's like a bittersweet thing because if you got it, it's good. But it also means you've been in the minor leagues longer than anyone else. So in a lot of ways, it's not really, it's not really something you want to have under your belt. There's also, and this is maybe the main crux of the whole movie, there's like a romantic triangle involving Susan Sarandon and the two main dudes. This movie is dynamite. This is one of the greatest movies I've ever seen in my life. I love it. It's funny. It has baseball. It has romance. It has Kevin Costner. It has home runs. It has the South. It has everything you'd ever want in a movie. It's just so great. It was written and directed by Ron Shelton. And apparently he had like, he had some kind of a minor league career of his own that he uh, mined for this movie. The film came out in 1988, which I already said it was it was very successful at the box office when it came out. It's also rated by Sports Illustrated as the number one sports movie of all the times. It's on uh, the Rotten Tomatoes 100 Funniest List. It is a 98% on Rotten Tomatoes. It cost $7.5 million to make, and it earned over $58 million. This movie's just really, really dynamite, dude. I can't even, I can't even express to you my love for this film, it just has everything I ever want in a movie. It has baseball, it has comedy, it has amore, it has everything, dude. It's just, it's just so great. I recently saw this all over again with the old wife, and she had never had the, uh, the pleasure of seeing the film before, and it absolutely knocked her socks off. For whatever reason, she didn't think she would like it. She thought it was all baseball, she thought it was all blah, but then she got the romance, she got the allure of the road, she got the allure of smacking a dinger, she got the allure of making the major leagues, and man, this one hit her right in the heart. It is just a dynamite film on every level. I gotta, I gotta say, in examining this, our guy Kevin Costner had one of the greatest careers I've ever seen. He was just like, such a big star in the 80s. Such a big star in the 90s, and he's still around today, dude. I saw him recently as Superman's dad. The guy is still, still cranking him out. There are so many great Kevin Costner movies. It was like super hard to narrow it down to just these five. I love that movie. I love that movie Game Day, where he's like a uh, football team general manager. I love the Dancing with Wolves. I just love all of them, dude. He's such a great, such a great actor. I really, really, really appreciate you guys sitting with me through this. I plan on doing more top fives. We need to like... We need to diversify the show. We need to make things more active. If you got any, any fun ideas for top five lists that you would like me to uh, conquer, top five condiments, top five wrestlers, top five rap groups, top five rock guitarists, whatever, hit me up and I can't guarantee that I will do them, but I can guarantee that I'll consider it. I can guarantee that I'll read your emails. Thanks for sitting through. We'll be back in a sec. of vintage and current film and television since 2010. Shall we play a game? Featuring in-depth conversations on sci-fi, horror, fantasy, comics, toys, and conventions. Game over, man. It's game over. Geekfest Rants is an entertainment podcast for genre geeks like you. So say we all. So say we all. Join us by listening in at iTunes, YouTube, and at geekfestrants.com. 
Man, my guys, Carlos has been hitting it out of the park lately, dude. He also got his uh, 10-year anniversary in the game, and that's, like, really something. So if you're not checking out GeekFest Rants, I recommend you do so. You can find the most recent episodes here on the uh, IC Robots Radio feed. Also, on GeekFest Rants, he has the entire entire catalog of 10 years of shows there. It's definitely by far the greatest thing I've ever heard in my life. So let's, uh, let's see. We're gonna get out of here in a sec. I was over at Walmart the other day looking for toys. I'm looking to see those, uh, those new retro, uh, Masters of the Universe figures, and I cannot find them there at all. I, I do see, like, the pegs on the shelf. I saw the pegs on the shelf, like, three weeks ago, and they have, like, they have, like, piles and piles and piles of boxes, like, in the aisle, not the toy aisle, in the main aisle, all kinds of boxes from Hasbro, all kinds of boxes from Mattel, boxes from Lennar, just, like, tons and tons and tons and tons and tons of toy boxes, but they don't ever seem to go from those boxes onto the shelves, I'm just, like, waiting for them to do it, but I, I guess they're, like, they're, like, short-staffed or whatever, like everybody is right now, which is, which is weird, but, um, it's, it's so odd, like, being a toy fan and going out there and looking for toys. It's not the same as, like, looking for just, like, I don't know, man, like, a random DVD or, like, looking for, like, some kind of merchandise on the shelf. Because I know if I'm at the store and they don't have any, like, Diet Pepsi on the shelf, if I go and I ask somebody, hey, man, you guys are out of Diet Pepsi, can you go Can you go get some? They would definitely go get some and hand it to you and put it in your cart. But if you're like, hey, I'm looking for the retro Motu Skeletor, do you guys... Do you guys know if you could go in the back and maybe get one for me? They're not going to do it. They're fully going to give you some kind of runaround or whatever. It's almost like it's almost like they're drug dealers and you want the drugs and they're giving you the runaround because they know you'll come back. They know you'll be like looking for it forever and ever and ever until you find it. I I don't like that. I don't like that aspect of being a toy collector. I feel like I feel like I should get the same service that anybody else gets at the store, but you definitely don't. And if you're like somebody who's out there hitting the racks looking for toys, you know definitely what I'm what I'm talking about. They they kind of jerk you around, they jerk your chain, they don't they don't give it to you straight as if you're somebody who's like just like looking for a gallon of milk. And I realize there's more gallons of milk at the store than there are Motu Skeletors, but like they just don't seem to uh give you the same concern. And that's whack. I I don't have as much fun looking for toys as I used to because I just don't seem to find as many things as, as I should. I wonder I wonder why they're just not available on the shelves. I know there's scalpers and I know that there's all that, but it's not like it's not like every single Motu that gets thrown out there gets grabbed up by some scalper type. I know that there'd be some. I never see him make the shelf. I never I never got the uh Migos at my Walmart at all either, which is which is weird. I feel like I'm in some kind of, like, barren toy desert sometimes. Like, I go and I look and I look and I look. And there are things I just never, not never, ever even see on the shelves. I haven't seen any of the new G.I. Joe Confidentials anywhere. I haven't seen any of the new, uh, any of the new smaller Joes, any of the Joe vehicles. I just, like, never, not never see any of this stuff. And it could be, like, it could be scalpers. And I, I, I think that's whack. I think that, like... You gotta spread the wealth to some degree. It's 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 turd like to go into the store and just buy every single uh, one of something. I I myself don't do that. I mean, it's your right. Do whatever you want, but like you gotta have some kind of consideration for other people. And if they're just like selling out of something all the time, shouldn't they produce more? Shouldn't they get more on the shelf? I don't know. I just get frustrated sometimes because I don't want to go online. I don't want to pay the extra shipping. I just don't want to. I want to just find them at the store while I'm out looking for milk. Or whatever, I want to go home with a gallon of milk, a box of uh, Frosted Flakes, and also, like, the Motu Skeletor. I don't know. There are, 
There are some Migos coming out that I'm looking for, and I might have to go online to get them, and that's going to be frustrating. They're making some Star Trek Discovery ones, which uh, Discovery just launched again on the uh, CBS All Access. If you sign up for CBS All Access, do so through my guy Earl Green. Go to uh, thelogbook.com, click the banner on the top, sign up that way. That's what I did, but... Discovery's back, and they're going to have some Mego Discoveries. I know they already got Saru. Saru is out on the shelves already. I know people have seen him. But they're going to be making main character Michael Burnham, and that is one that I'm going to be looking for. I've also heard rumor that they're going to be making a Teen Wolf and an Ultraman Mego. So those are both ones I would look for, as well as uh, The Last Airbender, which is one of the uh, kids' favorite shows, so we'd have to look for that one as well. I still haven't seen any of, like... The Captain Picard, Star Trek, I haven't seen any of those. I get super bummed out because I just, I just want to be able to go and find the figures at the store as if I'm going to buy a copy of uh, Underwater on Blu-ray. You know, I can I can go grab that in a second. Why can I get the new Migos? It's very, very, very frustrating, I guess. I don't know. Anyway, I am going to get up out of here. I I think you guys have heard me prattle enough for one uh, one episode, but... I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you tuned in. I appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. You guys are the best. So until we meet again, do the time. Don't let the time do you. Time seems hard right now. But you gotta believe things are getting better. Birds are migrating again. Rains are back. Stuff's, stuff's getting better. Things are getting better. This has been an IC Robots radio production. The announcers on this program are employed by Georgia Championship Wrestling Incorporated. Salt.